the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the third Sunday in Lent for the week of March 7th, 2021. And I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast. And I'm excited that we're still here in the season of Lent. As we'll get into this week, we have, again, I think, actually a pretty difficult text, especially kind of with the way that the world has been over the last year, or you could even argue the last decade to a lot of extent, and we'll get into that here in a few minutes. But I think when we are here, especially with me being in the upper northern hemisphere, we're having this transition of seasons where you're starting to see, at least where I am at, you're starting to see the potential of spring coming. And I think there's a lot of times where it's a great indicator, again, kind of getting into a little bit like what we talked about last week of change and how we have to be okay with change. We have to be okay with something being different and something moving in a new direction. And we have to be okay with looking and reflecting in the mirror. And so the question that we had last week from the Twitter question was, where do we need to spend more time in hope? And where do we need to spend more time listening? And I think in a lot of ways, those are hand in hand. I think of where I see the world at this point, it's because we do not listen, we do not have hope. We have a hard time as people being able to listen to people who don't necessarily agree with us, especially where I'm at in the United States. It seems like if you cannot agree with somebody, I don't have the time to listen to you. Thus, it makes it difficult to be able to see the hope. We either get pessimistic or super optimistic, and we never get leveled out in a lot of ways. And I think in a human nature, we need to be able to be both optimistic and pessimistic at the same time, but realizing that the hope that we have, especially with being in Christ, outweighs the pessimism. And that in a lot of ways, it's then, if we're going to be optimistic about this, is there potential change that we need to be able to go through to do this, to be able to take the steps forward that we need to take? So, That's kind of where, in a lot of ways, I think it flows decently well into this week's gospel text, which the gospel text is out of John chapter 2, verses 13 to 22. This is John's account of cleansing of the temple. It's near Passover. Jesus is in Jerusalem. And we have to clarify a few things here because in verse 14, it starts talking about how there's the selling of cattle and sheep and doves and the money changers. This was used for the different sacrifices. These were something that wasn't necessarily said that you were needed, but there was a lot of assumption that this is the types of stuff. And it was essentially things to make it easier for people to be able to get a spotless lamb, for instance, for a sacrifice or something of that nature. Jesus comes in and then starts disrupting everything. He drives the cattle and sheep and doves out. He pours the money and it's all over the place by kind of flipping the tables over and he states, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. The disciples remember that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. And we have then people questioning him coming in verse 18. What sign can you show us for doing this? And Jesus then states in verse 19, destroy the temple and I'll raise it up in three days. And the Jews then are kind of questioning this because the temple has been under construction for 46 years at this point. And Jesus stating that, okay, you're going to raise this back up in three days. And then we kind of get this narration coming in from John that he was more referencing the body and that the disciples 
understand this greater here in a later sense after the crucifixion. So we'll get into this a little bit more. There's some definite meat on the bones there, but an interesting story to kind of jump us and get us started this week. The first reading is out of Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 17. This is one of the two places that we have in the Bible, the other being in Deuteronomy, that we have the Ten Commandments. And we have to remember that with this section of the Ten Commandments, who is it being written to? This is talking about the Exodus, the people who have been driven out of slavery from Egypt. And so especially when we're getting some of these, you can almost hear how Moses is stating this is so much reflecting what they've gone through. So talking about, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of this land of Egypt and that you shall have no other gods before me. To not make an idol like what they've been seeing in Egypt, that God didn't want that. And then we even get here in verse 8, remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy, And especially when remembered that these people had been in exile, these people had been slaves, to be told by, you could say in quotes, their new master, God, stating that I took a day off in creation, you take a day off from your work. And so it's a really interesting correlation when you're looking at this section, just not stating it as the Ten Commandments, but really looking at the context of it being in Exodus is a really unique way of looking at it. Again, the quick and short and simple way to break down the Ten Commandments, the first three are about your relationship with God. The last seven are about your relationship with other people to honor God. The psalm this week is Psalm 19, and this is a really kind of interesting psalm because it's in kind of a couple different parts, but we have kind of the first six verses really kind of talking about God's creation and bringing glory to that and almost bringing us back to Genesis and recognizing like, look at what God has created and all these beautiful things and how it gives praise and glory to him. And then we get to verse seven. And it's kind of then talking about how the law then that God has given is also this beautiful thing. And trying to obey it is valuable and showing that in that it brings forth glory to God. And then we get to see some of the fruit of that labor. And that's where we then continue to be brought along and trying to obey this because of these things, that we have both the law and nature to kind of help steer us. But for me, the verse that I have heard so often used in different forgiveness texts and end to prayers comes from verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Something I've heard thousands of times in my life, but it's also a fairly common verse that, again, recognizing coming here out of Psalm 19. The second reading this week is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. And I would recommend if you were like me, having a little bit of difficulty kind of navigating this text, spend some time in the Message Bible. I find it really helpful 
for certain things like this to be kind of able to break it down. And I'm even just going to read a little bit of this. So from the message where it's trying to summarize 18 to 21, but I'm just going to read a little bit here. The message that points to Christ on the cross seems like sheer silliness to those who inhabit destruction, but to those on the way to salvation, it makes perfect sense. This is the way God works. And most powerfully, as it turns out, it's written, I'll turn conventional wisdom on its head and expose so-called experts as shams. So and it gets a little further into, and again, if you even want to go back to, I typically read out of the NRSV, this idea of what we know as human wisdom is not the way that God works. That a lot of times what we think God is doing, it's that we haven't understood the whole thing. And when we do and we start talking about it, it almost seems silly in a lot of ways. And it's that in that we really start to realize that that's how God works, which sounds kind of weird saying it that way. But thinking about it, that the life that we as Christians have and the belief that God has forgiven us and is providing a new life for us through death sounds absolutely crazy. But it's also that we understand that the death was the beginning of something. And that's where foolish conviction to people of this world, but it's powerful through the eyesight and lens of what we understand of God. So before we jump into how faith and science come together, we have to do our shameless plug. Boom. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to be able to help bring you this podcast. It's super helpful to have multiple different commentaries, which I looked through this week to try to work on some of these texts. Having a Working Preacher podcast for both narrative lectionary and revised common lectionary. And just a lot of great biblical discussion. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. Let's get back to that gospel a little bit. Why would Jesus potentially be wanting this quite drastic change here in the temple? Because remember, this isn't in the actual temple building itself where what we would say is similar to like what our church buildings are. These people, the money changers, are kind of in this courtyard around the temple. And they're not trying to necessarily just get money. They're there because a lot of the traditional practices for different sacrifices was getting like a spotless lamb and then that they had traveled a great distance to be there. Are you going to still have a spotless lamb? These people are trying to do favors for the people who are being there. And one of the things that I ended up picking up this week from Bishop Bill Tesh when we were going through this text is God isn't wanting a convenient relationship. God is wanting a genuine relationship. The convenience of having all these different things here and look, we can just do this. It's a quick transaction. I go and I do my thing and then I leave and it's done. Whereas Jesus is saying, wait a second. No, I'm right here in the flesh. No, this doesn't need to happen. Something is about to change. And as we know, and especially in John's gospel, It's kind of trying to point to Jesus very, very blatantly. But this is trying to show the point of turning toward God 
in the crucifixion and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. And that he is wanting this genuine relationship, this at times difficult relationship with us. The closest thing that I've been able to think about with that, and especially being kind of in the mid to upper northern hemisphere, is seasons. And I think in a lot of ways, it's very similar to what the church is going through at this time and in this place. Let me explain. Right now, where I am at, and this week, we're getting 40 degree temperatures, which I'm a little concerned about because it's pretty early to be warming up this much. Though it's happened before, but it's not common in early March to suddenly start feeling like we're in spring already. But we are transitioning from winter to spring. Now, winter brings its own basket of things to be thinking about and considerate of. Physically, the globe is tilted further away from the sun, so we get less rays of sunlight, thus making it our natural temperature a little bit cooler. And so... That means that, especially like where I'm at, it's very possible for us to get to zero degrees Celsius and Fahrenheit, and we'll have, where I'm at, snow. And depending on the day, you can definitely have times where it can get extreme cold. It can get winds coming out of the north heading south, so it feels even colder. We get these wind chills that can be dangerous. And that means that I have to have a lot of layers on. It means having the right type of clothing to protect myself. There's a lot of preparing that I have to do. So one of the things that I do here, but like anybody, you stock up on food. If you're going out on an adventure, you make sure you have multiple different layers. And again, because the temperature can change even day to day a little bit in the winter, but still cold. Okay, do I have different types of gloves, different types of jackets, different types of sweatshirts, different types of undershirts and base layers, just to try to keep you warm. But as spring comes, my jackets get lighter, my clothes get lighter, because we're slowly turning and getting closer to the sun. So thus, we're getting a little bit more of that solar radiation. Thus, I don't need as many of these heavy clothing. I now need different clothing, different tools, different things to be able to adjust. Otherwise, I get too hot and that makes it hard to do the work that I'm called to do, the things that I'm supposed to do. The clothing that I have in spring helps transition me slowly into the eventual summer that is coming. And in summer, it's still different clothing than what I wear in spring. Jesus is trying to signal, especially from what we know later on, the temple in about 40 years gets torn down. And there's this little bit of a glorification of what the temple is in this time and in this place. And Jesus is stating, no, I'm right here. And is trying to help us to transition to understanding what Pentecost will be. Now, especially that I have a lot of American listeners and especially looking at the last year plus of what has gone on here in the United States between civil riots from both wings of our politics. This is not a text condoning destruction. This is a text talking about how Christ was not just in a building 
It was preparing us for being anointed with the Holy Spirit. That worship of our creator can be anywhere. That we can have that spirit embodied within us and that we can then take that to a new place. That's where for me, when we look at this from a church perspective, from a life perspective, this is a text talking about seasons. The season that the church was in at that point was ending and Jesus was trying to push us to help start preparing for the next season. Honestly, in a lot of ways, when you look at and reflect at what the church has gone through over the last year, and especially now as we keep reiterating, as it appears that the pandemic is somewhere, there's some hope that this is coming to an end. It's also the transition that when we get back, we are not going back to the same season that we were in. We are in a new season. The Ten Commandments and the following of God in that period of time was you are entering a new season of your life, a new chapter of your life. And so this is what I'm looking for from you. Because you're used to this slave-owner relationship, I'm going to put it in a way that you can understand. And it's a very different type of relationship than you've seen from this before. When we look at even the psalm, it's, okay, you saw God the creator, we have God the law, and now how do you use these two to fulfill what I have called you to do? How are you going to see the beauty of nature and being able to use that to give praise to me? How are you going to be able to see the beauty of the law of what we've established and realizing that I am in that and giving praise to me? And understanding that we need that embedded within us. And Paul then puts it in this way of what we at times here on earth see as wise is not what God sees as wise. Because we aren't seeing the whole picture. What we are seeing is, yes, let's have this temple and God is contained in this place. And it's no, 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 no. You got to be transitioning because I'm moving you into a new place. You know, this is very similar to what we had a couple weeks back talking about how Peter was wanting to build those homes when they have Moses and Elijah and Jesus there. The transfiguration. Let's, no, let's build these houses here. And, and by the time Peter gets it out, Jesus is like, what are you talking about? No, 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 no. No, they're gone. Why would you build something? We are in a season of transition. We are in a season of movement. We are in a season of growth and change. As we are looking and seeing the church change and our own faith having to move and change because we're in Lent yet again, this should be a thing of excitement. It's what things do we let go of, maybe for a time, or maybe we permanently leave behind because we don't know how long the season is. Sometimes we're going to keep things because maybe the season will come around. But then there's other things where it's like, I haven't used this in multiple seasons. Like, why Why am I holding on to this? Why are we holding on to this? Jesus is trying to prepare us for the next season. And the reason that it makes easier sense for us to understand seasons is we know what seasons are about. We realize that, yep, the tilt of the sun, we're further away from the sun in the winter. And then we're slowly going to get closer. And then the summer, 
we're going to hit you know, summer solstice and it's still going to be warm, but we're slowly walking away from the sun and it's going to slowly get cooler. And eventually we're going to hit winter solstice, the shortest day. But yet again, it's going to, it's going to swing back around. We understand that. The thing is with faith seasons, we don't know how long those are. And so sometimes that's what makes it very difficult. And if you think about it, if you were super conscious and let's say you were an adult for the first time going through the seasons, it would seem confusing. Like, how long do I need to hold on to this winter jacket? When can I put it in the closet and not hold on to it and keep it around? Because I don't know when that cold day is going to be there. But I'm also then clinging on to my shorts into the middle of winter because, you know, those warm days are coming. That's what the Holy Spirit is there to help and guide us in this. We are in this transitional season within the broader church, within the broader faith, within the broader world. And it's complicated. It's hard. And to put it into the simplistic terms of a season makes it easy for us because it's we've been through seasons. We know what seasons bring. We understand the transition into seasons. Even if you get to places where there isn't as much differences in seasons, there are times and parts of the year where we do this or do that because we understand that. The growing season, the time to harvest season. We don't go swimming because it's too cold season. Because we've gone through that, we've learned that, we've grown to understand that. When you're going through it the first time, as a child will ask, when it's freezing cold outside, can we go swimming? You say no, and they don't understand. You have the wisdom of having gone through it. We are, if in our faith, have not yet gone through it. Jesus wants this genuine relationship with us. Christ and the Holy Spirit want this genuine relationship with us. It can't be this money-changing, easy thing. It's supposed to be somewhat difficult because we haven't been here before. Because if it was easy, the cross wouldn't mean as much. What Christ did would just seem like a transaction. If it was easy, okay, yeah, he said he was going to do this. Okay, cool, whatever. Do your thing, man. That's not what this is about. We haven't been here before. We don't know what this means. That's the season of faith, the seasons of life. We keep moving through them and we're trying to understand it as we go. That's what makes it so hard. That's like what good science is. We understand one thing, great, but it opens up the door to how many more things that we just don't understand yet. We talked about it last week. It's been a 30 to 50 year work to get mRNA vaccines. And now we have the basic question of how long do they work? And we don't entirely know. We have good approximations, but we've never been really able to get this far to get to the question of that. And in 20 years, we can look back and be like, oh yeah, that wasn't anything super big to worry about. We'd know the answer, but we don't know it right now. Jesus is trying to transition this. We within our lives right now, it's so difficult because we are in this transition in so many different ways, all of us at the same time. It's not just personal, it's communal for all of us. And honestly, that's one of the gifts of this pandemic. The gift that for a moment in time, at least one issue, the church worldwide is going through the same thing. And we have a lot of the same questions and we are getting a lot of the same answers. And it doesn't matter what language you speak. 
we're in and entering a new season. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what to bring and what to let go of. But I'm excited that we are doing this together. I'm excited about the possibility of what this is going to bring. Just like a science experiment when we get a result and we've been able to duplicate it, but it opens up the box of questions. What does this mean now? Jesus opening us up to the idea that God is not just in the temple. That God is going to be, I'm here and among you right now. And at some point, you are all going to have that inside of you. What does that mean? For someone who's been so used to something, that's radically different. That's a huge change. And yet, that's exactly what Christ is talking about. So the Twitter question this week is simple and yet very difficult. Are you ready for this new season? Are you ready for change? We've talked about change a lot, and I feel like this Lent, it's kind of the hot button word for me, I guess. I keep bringing it back up, but I feel like that's kind of where at least what I'm finding my heart's kind of going around, change. There's going to be change, and are you ready for it? And it's going to be hard. It's not going to be simple. Imagine the people there in the temple when Jesus starts throwing all this stuff around. There's a little bit of chaos. And can you imagine the Jews kind of sitting there like, what is going on? Why did he do this? Uh, can you give us a sign for why you just did this? Wait, the, the, the temple has been under construction for 46 years and you're going to raise it up in three days? What are you talking about? They're confused. We're confused. We're moving into a new season. Buckle up. Let's get ready. And let's be excited. Because just like a young child gets excited for a new year, we should be excited for a new phase and new season of faith. I hope you are. I know I am. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.